I feel like this episode is why I started the podcast. This conversation isn't about you or them, it's about us. To make sense out of the chaos, to give us a reason to keep persisting. Hey fam, welcome to another episode of LM2 Talks. As always, I'm your host, Larry. In this episode, I'm going to take a little trip down memory lane, talk a little bit about my background in uh, communications and media studies, and I'm going to talk about a few of the entertainment properties that I'm really feeling right now and, and how they reflect on a thesis that I started to work on back when I was doing my master's program. So just to kind of set this up, from 2013 to 2016, I was enrolled in a program where I was uh, pursuing my master's in communication and media. I got that degree, don't worry, I, I made it all the way through. It was a really great time. Didn't love every class, but I learned a lot and it's it's really had a great impact on me going forward. But during that time, I ended up taking a class called Social Media and I ended up writing a paper where I was really exploring the civil rights movement in the context of the era of social media. And this podcast's episode isn't really about that final paper, but it's more about the proposal that I wrote for that paper. So as I was thinking about it, I started to reflect on how does social media impact me? How do I look at social media and how does it inform my thinking around kind of what's going on in the world? At the time, 2014, you know, we saw the rise of things like Black Lives Matter uh, we had just seen, you know, what happened in Ferguson and we, we were starting to get the initial kind of court decisions about those different cases and really seeing more and more young black folks being murdered and their murderers getting off for it. And so, you know, that was kind of where I was at. And I was really thinking about what does it mean to be black in this country? How do we use electronic communication forms to help us find meaning and navigate those spaces? And it led me to this thesis where I was looking at black Twitter and I was thinking about what is this place actually? And so when I started to verbalize it and then put it on paper, what I started to think about were these three kind of unique aspects of black Twitter. Um, and those aspects, as you might be able to tell from the title of this episode, are the, the Church, the Cipher, and the Minstrel Show. And so I put the I put the text of the proposal up on the website, so you can read that if you really want to get kind of a little bit more in depth into my thinking around those. But to to really give you a quick idea of the way that I was looking at those aspects, the church really represented a black healing space. The cipher provided a place for the exchange of ideas. I was using it really in the hip hop sense, but in another reading of it, it also kind of allowed a place for the development of kind of coded language in a sense. And finally, the minstrel show, I was looking at black Twitter as a place where sometimes non-black observers come in and kind of view it for entertainment as well as attempting to co-opt that space and attempting to co-opt that language developed in the cipher to further kind of other ideas and other ends. Fast forward a couple of years, and I was watching a lot of TV recently, and two of the shows that I was kind of watching concurrently were FX's Atlanta and Volume 2 of Dear White People. Both of those shows, I felt like in a number of different ways, kind of exhibited all three of those ideas and were really powerful in the way that they kind of showcased them. And I feel like the final piece of the puzzle came with 
Donald Glover's release of the music video for This Is America. And I'm not going to go too deep into that and I'm not going to dismantle the symbolism there, but I think as I talk about some of these ideas, I will kind of draw parallels to it. And I think as you as you kind of think about these things with me, you'll start to understand where I'm coming from or, or how I can how I've started to read that video, that project. So for those of you who may not watch uh, the two programs that I mentioned, Dear White People is essentially a show about black college students at a predominantly white Ivy League institution really trying to figure out their place in this community uh, and examining different aspects and facets of blackness and what blackness means to different people, as well as how outside influences impact that blackness or that search for meaning within blackness. Atlanta at its heart for me is it's a new kind of how to make it in America kind of show focusing on a rapper named Paperboy and his cousin manager Earn who are really trying to figure out how they can both be successful and dealing with their mistakes yet trying to be there for one another and trying to be there for their family and friends and how does that evolve throughout the series and what are the trials and tribulations that come along with that. And really looking at both of those shows, the first aspect that I mentioned in my thesis, the church, the place for community and healing, both of these shows do a really amazing job of kind of setting that up as this is something that these characters are looking for. They're looking for that space. They're looking for that dialogue. So as a product, Dear White People, there was a film that had come out around the time that I was working on the initial paper that I was doing. And realistically, a lot of people might have been thrown off by the title. They they might have heard the title and just assumed, or, or even some of the trailers, some of the marketing, and just assumed, well, this is just another black property that's calling out whiteness or calling out white people. And that's really not what it is. It's really a show about the black community being introspective and kind of exploring how we're navigating this world and how we're communicating with each other and how we're communicating with outside communities and what does that look like and, and how do we challenge ourselves with that and so within the show itself uh the main character or i shouldn't say the main character because there's several main characters but i think she gets a little bit more screen time than everybody else sam white uh, the protagonist hosts a show called Dear White People at her college where she sees it as a vehicle to speak truth to power and highlight some of the issues that black people face in white spaces. And in a way, her show acts as that church. It acts for that place. It acts as that place for black people to come together and to find healing and find community. Though not all black people agree with her choice of words or, or her message. But at the same time, that's that's a lot of what her show is about. Another aspect within the show itself that kind of deals with this idea of the church or, or the black community space or black healing space is the residence hall that the characters live in or the black characters live in, which is known as Armstrong Parker. And really in the first season, that space is a place for despite all of these differences that these black characters have and these different representations of blackness that they have, that it is a space for them to all come together and feel safe and to feel bonded together. And, you know, not to spoil anything, volume two of the show 
really causes you to look at how does what happens to a community when when that aspect is challenged when that safe space is challenged and how do you respond to that and how do you respond to that in a productive manner in a way that doesn't villainize you or your community but allows you to still kind of have your agency have your voice and not feel like you've lost that and so i'm going to kind of leave that there because realistically it's a show that i don't want to ruin too much of there are a few aspects that i'll be talking about in a later section that some people might see as a little bit of spoilery but you know realistically I, i don't really see them that way i think it's still a show that you can kind of watch and enjoy so atlanta approaches this sense of community and this healing space in a little bit different way um so one of the main differences that i should say up top is dear white people has a very you know what i would say is a cosmopolitan black cast so you have a multi-ethnic you know main female character you have a gay male character you have lesbian characters you have people that kind of represents all of these different ideas and attitudes and atlanta differs from that in that the show for the most part deals with black masculinity explicitly there are some episodes that deal with one of the show's female characters and and i love her and i love her episodes it's sazzy beats i talked about her in the deadpool podcast she's amazing um and she's one of my favorite characters in the show but honestly she is not really the focal point of most of the show and and when you kind of read it when you read multiple episodes of the show it keeps coming back to kind of that black male perspective but what it allows us to do there is have a real conversation about you know what is black masculinity and how is it challenged and what are the issues that people are dealing with One of the episodes Teddy Perkins really focuses on in in a sense the sins of the black father and how elements of abuse and diminishment affect children um especially talented children and in many ways it's it's a caricature of of someone like Michael Jackson who was extremely talented yet the abuse of his father in some ways may have started to push him away from his blackness and he wanted to kind of get away from from that and i think the episode itself does a really good job of kind of exploring what does it mean to kind of overcome things like abuse that you may have felt and still feel confident in your own skin um in another episode the woods one of the things that we don't really get a lot of or hadn't really gotten a lot of at the point that this episode occurs in the show in season 2 is we don't really know a whole lot about our main characters backstories and where they come from and so we know that these characters have a lot of pain that they've kept bottled up and this episode does a really amazing job of allowing the characters to release that pain in a way that's visual in a way that other people can connect with it and start to understand and start to think about their own pain and how it how they visualize it and how they kind of project it out into the world and what does that mean for the relationships that they keep how does that prevent them from 
being the best versions of themselves and how does that prevent them from having meaningful relationships and conversations and and being open with people and again it's not to say that pain prevents you from being able to do all of those things yet in a hyper masculine culture especially something like rap culture where oftentimes it's looked down upon to be open with your feelings be open with your emotions and to constantly strive to be hard it can be really challenging and and I think this episode does a really good job of visualizing what that means for one of our main characters and I think finally an episode that really exemplifies this for me and and kind of takes that idea from the last one but takes us back in time is the episode called Fubu where we really get to see at least two of our main characters as kids and what that experience was like what it was like being bullied and what was it like to protect your you know to protect your younger cousin and to you know be there for one another and to promise to always be there for one another and to stick up for one another yet at the same time dealing with childhood tragedies that weigh on your conscience and especially when you feel like you were responsible for those those outcomes for those tragic outcomes and i think you know this is something that i never really expected from the show atlanta the first season i loved it and and what i really loved about it was the fact that it was this blending of reality and fantasy and the music was fantastic and the way it was shot was fantastic and it did all of these really great things from a visual and from an audio perspective but in season 2 we really dive into these characters and get to know them and get to hurt with them and heal with them and i think that's why i feel like this second season of atlanta in particular really exemplifies that idea of the church of that idea of the black healing space that idea of community and family and and kind of the bringing together of all of these things and so finally i feel like for those of you who have seen this is america you you'll probably really get this a, a little background on my experience with this piece i actually the first time i watched it i watched it in complete silence and just watched the visuals and watched what it was saying through motion and through camera work and through staging and composition and a number of the things that are covered in all of the think pieces that you can watch i i picked up on pretty quickly the second time i watched it i watched it with the music and I know this is going to be an unpopular opinion. I'm not a really big fan of the song. I I think it's actually a stronger piece in silence. But I think in a way the piece itself is also that example of the church. Really this piece is calling people together to discuss it. It exists to say something, but more than that it exists for people to discuss it. And I think that that's a really powerful thing when we look at black media today oftentimes yes the author has a specific message that they may want us to take from it but more than that they want us to be able to have these conversations because all too often in our communities we often let some of this stuff slide by or we say that we're too tired to have the conversation or we've been having it too often and we don't want to talk about it anymore yet our programming kind of forces us to talk about those things So the second point that I talked about with this thesis is the cipher. And for my hip hop heads out there, you know, you're probably thinking, you know, you get the circle together or someone jumps in the middle, starts rapping or, you know, if you're a B-boy, you start dancing in there. And it's really this exchange of ideas, this 
creation of a new language, this battle where everybody's trying to be the smartest or, or the hippest or whatever it may be. And I feel like both of these shows, once again, really exemplify that. Atlanta represents this in a really interesting way, as I mentioned before, that blending of reality and fantasy. For me, in particular, and I think this is really apparent in season one, it's it's almost this idea that it's okay to be weird. It's okay to be black and weird. You know, that's a space that even though we have a ton of black creatives who are weird, there's still this conversation around black nerdiness or, or you know, black people being weird or black people being artists. We've always existed. We've always done these things. Yet, in again, in especially hyper-masculine cultures, in rap culture, in hip-hop culture, there's always that challenge with that. I don't want to talk about him a lot. I'm going to try to keep it to a minimum, but the people that always hated on Kanye West because he was weird, because he wasn't the hardest guy, that's something that we're kind of dealing with here. And, you know, from a perspective of, of growing up Black and, you know, kind of dealing with the oh, you're not black enough because you don't do this or you do do that or, you know, because you read or because you speak in full sentences or whatever it may be. I think a show like Atlanta challenges that. Earn, one of our main characters, you know, he's a Princeton dropout. So he was smart enough to get into Princeton. He's smart enough to do all of these things. Yet, because of kind of what he sees as his community needing him to do kind of drops out and, and doesn't perform up to where he should because he's trying to be something that he's not really. And, and you know, I think it's not a new idea, but from that cipher perspective, this allows us to have that conversation. It's an idea that not enough people are talking about, and it takes sometimes a media property like this to get that conversation going, to get people thinking in that way and talking about those things. In that same way, connecting it back to Black Twitter, you know, that's a lot of what I see there. Yes, we, had a, we have a lot of people joking. We have a lot of people coming up with slang. New memes are being born from that space. It is an opportunity for Black people to create and create and create and define new language, new ways of thinking, new ways of visualizing things. And I think that's the ultimate power in it. And that to see that kind of trickle out from that space back into popular entertainment, you know, we're talking about some of the most critically, you know, we're talking about one of the most critically acclaimed shows here. And to be able to kind of see some of the that influence from Black Twitter feeding into the show. I mean, realistically, we see memes from Black Twitter visualized and acted out in this show. And it's amazing to really kind of see something that not a lot of people may have exposure to. You know, Twitter's a weird place and it's not for everybody. But to be able to take those ideas and plop them on TV so that people can see them, so that people can engage with them, is something really novel. And I think it's something that sets Atlanta apart from a lot of other shows. And I don't want this to sound like, you know, these two shows that I'm talking about in particular are ones that are better than other black shows because other shows do do this. You know, shows like Insecure do this. There are other properties that kind of explore these ideas. These are just the ones that I think kind of spoke most to me and really kind of 
hit that mark of what I was going for with this thesis. And likewise, so, you know, one of the other aspects of the cipher is really that idea of storytelling. You know, you're gathering around someone as they tell you about their experiences, about their life, especially when we look at it from the, the hip hop perspective or the hip hop, you know, kind of lens. And so Dear White People is a show that that really actively works in that way to take us all, you know, to circle us all around and to give people the chance to be in the center and to define and describe their unique interpretation of blackness, their unique representation of blackness, and, you know, really illuminates others to the multitude of blackness that there is. And, you know, I really mean that in the construction of the show. So for those of you that have watched it, and for those of you who haven't, basically each episode really centers around the experience of a different character. Yes, there are episodes that kind of look at the whole ensemble and put them all together and look at the experiences of everybody together. But many of the episodes are POV and our point of view. And you follow that specific character around as they tell you their story. You experience it with them. And I think that's a really powerful tool. And that's, again, that's something that happens on social media. But we're also seeing it here in this program. You know, when we use things like Twitter or Facebook or Instagram we are giving, you know, no matter how curated it is, we're giving people a specific glimpse into the experience that we want them to see or want them to know about. And we're telling them that story. We're bringing them into our circle in that way. And I, th I think that's something that's, that's really powerful. And I really like that that's how Fear White People has kind of approached this. You know, we, I may not have... I, I may not know what the experience of a multi-ethnic person is outside of talking to my friends who may be multi-ethnic. I can watch the show and I can get a sense of what that must be like and what that must be like in terms of dealing with systematic oppression and a, a political climate that is very turbulent right now. You know, I, I can get a better insight into what it might be like for a, a black gay person to start to come out and to start to realize their sexuality and understand those things because that's not an experience that I can have. You can learn about other people's experiences and get a better sense of what those are. And again, like, yes, there are other properties that you can do this with, but these were the ones that were kind of on my mind. In the same way, Atlanta does a lot of that. You know, this season two in particular has really been all about POV episodes where we really get to know our characters and get to know what they're experiencing and get to know the challenges that they face. One of the one of the episodes that I found really interesting in season two of Atlanta featured Van Zazzy Beats' character. And we really start to get to have a better understanding of the cultural complexity of her upbringing where she is a black girl and she's growing up in this strange German-esque society and what does that look like? How is that challenging? And, you know, realistically doing a little bit of research on her, it's a little bit of her reality. It's a little bit of the actual life she's kind of lived. And so being able to kind of take that journey and to see what that is and to see some of the challenges of bringing someone else who's not from that world into that space. I don't know, I just, I found that to be really powerful. And I think, I think that's what both of these things do really well. You know, and again, like not to get too deep into it, but This Is America is in the center of that cipher. It is pulling us all around to talk about these things and to, to express these ideas. And 
Childish Gambino, Donald Glover, whatever you want to call him, he's not the first to introduce those ideas, but he's able to reintroduce it at a time that people need to be talking about it or should be talking about it. So the last point in this thesis is kind of, I could see this as being the most controversial idea, but I think a lot of you probably will understand where I'm coming from with this, but it's the idea of the minstrel show. And really when I was looking at it, I was thinking about, well, I'm gonna be upfront about it. When I was writing this paper, when I was thinking about these concepts, Black Lives Matter was growing and All Lives Matter was kind of coming out to say, oh, well, you can't have this thing. And so I was really looking at the idea of the co-opting of black messages, of black spaces to kind of shut those spaces down. And that led me to the ideas of infiltration and impersonation, you know, in a sense, blackface, you know, how do people use black Twitter to steal kind of this language that's been developed by black people and then co-opt it and then kind of walk around in that black face you know and there were things like the daquan memes that had come to mind where at the time there was this internet personality twitter account that was all these jokes you know from this person called daquan which turned out to be you know a white female teenager or something like that and it's just like this idea that blackness is something that you can put on blackness is something that you can co-opt and really just view as entertainment as if it's not a lived experience as, as if it's not you know kind of culturally significant in that way and the other the other part of that is just kind of the pure entertainment piece so you know, for some of you who may be looking at or maybe listening to this on my website or may have gone to my website to read the proposal and kind of what I was saying there, the image that I used for this particular episode when I put it up on my website is from uh, season two, episode nine of Atlanta, an episode called North of the Border, which essentially the, the basics of the episode are that Paperboy is going to do a college show some stuff pops off and he and his cousin and two of their friends have to make a run for it and they end up at a white fraternity and in this scene they're kind of invited in by these white boys who really love their music and you cut inside to the scene where they're all sitting on a couch with a confederate flag behind them and all of these white fraternity pledges naked with sacks over their heads in front of them and it was just kind of like this weird we're using all of these images that signal hate yet we're gonna say that we love this music we find it entertaining we derive joy from watching this display of blackness even though we don't necessarily like black people and you know i know some people might be like oh you're reading too much into that scene i think that was exactly what it intended us to think you know in dear white people it's a literal plot line minstrelsy is a literal plot line in the show where we see a character who is a stand-in for you know a, a candace owens type who realizes the inflammatory nature of being a black person who's taking conservative side but really speaking to it from this is how I'm taking advantage of the system. Yes, I may be a minstrel, but I'm making money. I'm doing better for myself. I'm putting myself out there. I'm going to have a book deal. I'll be famous in this way. And it was just a really interesting concept to me and a, a, 
a really interesting spin on this, on something that I had been thinking about since 2014 when I really wrote this paper. And so again, the idea of the residence hall integration in that show also representing kind of that idea of minstrelsy where you start to see all of these non-black faces enter that space and how do they watch the black people that are around them? How are they entertained by them? And how do they choose to talk about them or emulate them in some ways? And you know, what does that look like? And being able to visualize and verbalize that in a show is incredibly amazing. And I think I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about This is America in this context as well, outside of, you know, the obvious nods to minstrelsy and minstrel style dancing that exists in the video, even the co-opting of this video. So there was a lot of hoopla about, there was one video about a, you know, white, white female comedian making, you know, the feminist version of This Is America. And it's really just that idea that when I was looking at Black Twitter, when I was looking at Black media, it hit me where it was like, oh, we can't just have this one thing. You can't give us this one thing. And it's not to say that people can't borrow ideas or be informed by other cultural perspectives or jump on things as parody or anything like that. I don't want that to be the message that's taken away from this, but it felt like it was following a certain history of minstrelsy and co-opting of blackness for entertainment and piggybacking off of it to send a watered down message. And, and again, this is not to say that feminism is something that is not as important as, you know, race relations, because it's not how I feel at all. But I feel that when you do something like that, you almost diminish both sides in a way. You start to point at this and say, well, this isn't as important I made this thing because my thing is really. And I think that gets back to the all lives matter versus black lives matter piece of it. It feels the same. And I know, you know, that might sound really political for some of you who might be listening to this and you're like, I just wanted an entertainment podcast for someone who talks about video games and movies. This is really why I wanted to start this podcast. These are the things that I want to talk about. How does entertainment and how do entertainment and culture kind of collide in this way, pop culture especially. How do we make sense of these things? How do we navigate that environment? How do we introduce new ideas without co-opting other people's ideas in a way that diminishes them? How do we consume media in a way that doesn't diminish, squash, remove importance from other cultural actors that were kind of around. So I know if you've listened to this whole thing, you're probably sitting there thinking, God, that was a lot. This is not what I was expecting to get into when I started listening to this podcast. That's fine. This is what it's going to be sometimes. Sure, I'm probably going to share my review of Solo next week and talk about Star Wars, but every now and then I, there's some stuff that I need to get off my chest. There's some things that I want to talk about. There are things that we need to talk about. And I think for me, that's what's really important about entertainment once again like the fact that we can have these conversations around shows that are either designed to make us laugh or you know designed to make us cry whatever they may be designed for the fact that we have programming now we have entertainment we have movies we have music we have all of these things that allow us space to have these conversations in new and different ways 
I think that's what's really magical about media and this specific media moment. And it's not to say that that stuff didn't exist before, it absolutely did. But to be able to reach new and current audiences with what's being done now, it's an amazing feat and I hope to see a lot more of it and I hope to have more of these conversations with you. So as always fam, this is Larry. I'm going to be signing off. Make sure that you subscribe on iTunes. I'm now on Google Play. I'm also on Stitcher. This episode will also be going up on my SoundCloud. You can always hit me up on Twitter or follow me on Instagram at LarryTron. Definitely share your thoughts with me. If there's something that I said that really resonated with you or there's something that you really disagree with, definitely let me know. I'd, I'd love to take this conversation offline and talk more about it. If you have any things that you think I should check out, any pieces of media that you want me to check out, definitely send those my way. I'm always looking for new stuff to watch, read, or think about. And yeah, it's it's been awesome. As always, it's been awesome. Thanks for allowing me this space and this time to really talk about these things that are kind of constantly weighing on me. Hope to talk to you all again soon. Peace.